Today we're going to be starting a new series called Colossians. I know, super creative, right? And we're going to be going through the book of Colossians the next uh, few weeks. And I'm really excited about this. And uh, the Apostle Paul is the author of this book. And he wrote this book to the church at Colossae. And the situation was that it looked like somebody had come into the church and had deceived them and got them thinking about things other than Jesus and had, had drawn them away to this philosophy that Jesus is great, but you really need angels or you really need to say this uh, secret seance or you really need to say this uh, sacred prayer or something like that. And Paul goes in with both barrels and blows this stuff away. How many thankful for truth? And right at the start, I just want to say, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Right. And this still shows up today, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive or call out a certain church or religion, but you don't need Jesus plus Mary. Right. You don't need to pray to an angel. You don't need to go before the right statue with the right thing around your neck to get a hold of God. How many knows that the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus is sufficient? He's all we need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And, and here's one of the things that Paul will do is he will give us a healthy and a proper view of who Jesus is. You know, all of us, we have kind of this image of Jesus in our mind and it's usually whatever one works for us, right? If we need him to be a healer, we look at him as the healer of the masses. If we're somebody that needs a lot of forgiveness, which I think is all of us, we look at, uh, he's somebody that's just really kind and never gets mad and, you know, just goes around giving hugs to everybody. And uh, there's all kinds of images of Jesus that you can get, you know, if, but, but by the way, just so everyone knows, Jesus was not a, a white guy with long flowing brownish hair and, uh, you know, none of that stuff. He was darker, complected. Uh, we don't know what his hair looked like, but the, the stuff in the movies, you know that, that the image of Jesus that we got, there was a famous artist who painted for this really rich guy and this really rich guy paid him enough money so that he would paint Jesus to look like his son. And so now we're stuck with that for hundreds of years. We all think that's what Jesus, that's not what Jesus looked like. We need to get all those preconceptions out of our mind. And what we need to do is go to the word of God to see what Jesus looks like. And by the way, this series isn't going to be whether he had brown hair or blue eyes or any of that. I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that he is greater than what we could ever imagine. He has more power than we can fathom. He is God. Amen. Anybody believe that today? And here's what I want to start off saying today is that what if we started... Not with what we need Jesus to be for us, but just who he is. And if we just start with who he is, he'll fill in the blanks. Because we, we can make him into our image. We can make him into our likeness. When we need to be made into his likeness. 
into his image. We can make him to hate the people we hate. We can make him to like the people we like, to like the things we like, when we need to conform ourselves to the image of Jesus. So the first point I wanna give us today is this. Jesus is God and he is what God looks like. If you wanna know what God is like, look to Jesus. If you want to know how God would act, look at Jesus. If you want to see how God forgives, look at Jesus. Colossians 1:15. Paul says, "He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation." And that word image it's, it's like the image on a coin that they would stamp it on a coin. He makes the invisible visible. Amen. He is the invisible come to life living among us. He is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you see God. Amen. You don't see kind of God. You don't see like really close to God. You see the final product in Jesus. It's not like our foyer that's kind of done. It's done. That's what it looks like. That, that's how God acts. That's what God would say. That's what God would do. When he walked those streets in Israel thousands of years ago, that was God walking by. It wasn't an angel. It wasn't a really good impersonator. That was God. And I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. That God could become one of us, what we call the incarnation. That God came and he lived among us. And so it's, it's through his image that we should see everything else. It's through Jesus that we filter the world, not through politics, not through what the people on TV tell us, not what the pop stars tell us. We filter everything through the eyes of Jesus. Why? Because he is the firstborn. That word firstborn, it's not talking about he was born first. It's talking about he is the highest rank. He is the highest order. He is the firstborn among humanity. He has the highest place. And I want to show us this in the scriptures. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint, everybody say exact imprint of his nature. And upholds the universe by the word of his power. We're going to come back to that in a minute. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And that, that is figurative language. If, if you're at the right hand, that means you have all power. That you're in a position of power. That Jesus is sitting in heaven today in a position of power and authority. That is the highest place. And so John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What, well, how does he do that? He has made him known by coming among us. He is the exact imprint. When we see the uh, man Jesus, we see that invisible God made visible for us. And then and, and later on in John, the disciples, it took the disciples a while to get this. And that, that's why we need to have a lot of grace for people that maybe takes a while to get this because I, I don't know if any of us fully understand it, do we? And I, I don't know if I would wanna serve a God I fully understand. But they're talking and Jesus is saying, hey guys, I'm about to go. I'm about to get out of here. And 
they're, they're talking, you know, how do we survive without you? What, what do we do without you? And, and Philip said, in John chapter 14, verse eight, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough. Before this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless you come through me. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be enough. In other words, can, can you just show us God? Can you just show us, have him come? And Jesus says this, he said, have I been with you so long? Have you not seen me heal the sick? Have you not seen me feed the 5,000? Have you not seen me have power and authority over nature and I can talk to a storm and it stops? And you're asking, show us the Father? And he says this, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? When you see Jesus, you see God. There's not like this, you know, you gotta pay $20,000 extra to go to the next step of the program. When you see Jesus, you've seen it all. There's nothing further to graduate to. There's not like this other guy, the big guy you need to go meet. When you meet Jesus, you've met the big guy. You've met the guy, the man, God. 100% man, 100% God. Oh, does that excite anybody today that you know who that God is? He is the exact image of God. John says it, Paul says it, Hebrew says it, and most importantly, Jesus said it. When you see me, you see the Father, you see God. I am the great I am. The, the, the person that Abraham longed to see was Jesus. The person that David longed to see was Jesus. And he is here today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody love Jesus? Does anybody know that Jesus is enough? Jesus is enough. So I want to lay that. That's who we're talking about today. When we came in here today, we just didn't worship a really nice guy. We didn't sing songs about a really nice guy. There's a lot of really nice guys out there. We could come in here today and sing nice songs about Abraham Lincoln. But he didn't die for us. He didn't create the universe. He's not coming back to restore order. There's only one person who did that. And he's also God and his name is Jesus. This is the heart of the gospel. So number one, Jesus is God and he's what God looks like. Number two, nobody is greater or has more authority than Jesus. Amen. Verse 16 says, for by him, all things, everybody say all things, were created in heaven, in heaven and on earth visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Nobody else. There is no one else beside you, oh Lord. He is the greatest, not only here, but in heaven. Jesus isn't all, only the greatest on earth, he's also the greatest in heaven. He is the highest authority. John 1, 1 through 3. Come on, I, I want you, as I'm saying these scriptures, get this in your spirit. Get this word, and, and this is what is life. This is one, some of the greatest truths that you can know. In the beginning was the word. Who was it? That was Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and then all things were made through him and without him was not anything 
that was made. You see, I think a lot of people got this idea, like there was God, and then Jesus came along 2,000 years ago, and uh, like he kind of did his part, and then he left the scene. No, no, no. He was there from the beginning. He was there before anything was. And then I love verse 14. And the word, what, became flesh. He was born and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father. When we talk about the son, that, that is the flesh of God. There's only one son, and that is Jesus. He was manifested in the flesh for us. And, and he came and he showed us what he was full of grace and truth. And that's so important when we talk about Jesus. He's full of grace, but he's also full of truth. And a lot of us, we think we have to pick one or the other. No, no, no. You can love truth and you can be full of grace. You can be full of grace and still give people truth because that's what Jesus does. He was full of grace and truth. So when you go to Jesus, you go to the highest authority. There's not some chain you gotta work through. You don't go to Mary first and then the right saint and then go through all these complicated processes. No, you say the name of Jesus and you have the highest authority for there is no other name. Everybody say, there is no other name. Jesus is fully in charge of creation. He's sustaining this universe. He's sustaining you and I. He is the highest authority. All creatures submit to him. You know, I want to tell us this. All these people that think they're in charge aren't in charge. Did you know that, that, you know who put them in charge? There's this guy named Jesus. I don't want to say that casually. There's this God named Jesus, who's also a man. And I, and I was putting this sermon together and I thought of, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the gospels, where all these people who think they're in charge bring Jesus to trial. Isn't that funny? We're gonna put Jesus on, we're gonna put God on trial. And I, I just, I would pay millions of dollars to know what was going through Jesus' mind. These little people he created who think they're in charge are gonna judge him. And he's before Pilate. And Pilate said to him, John chapter 19, you will not speak to me. He's asking Jesus all these questions and Jesus just won't even answer. And he says, do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. That's true for the president. That's true for your boss. That's true for the United Nations. That's true for Bill Gates. That's true for whoever thinks they're important. They would not have that authority unless Jesus gave it to them. And why is that important? I can take security. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got a, a, a program that's moving his direction on his timing. And, and here's what we need to be careful about. We need to be careful about thinking we're the authority. I'm laughing at all these people on Facebook. Just so everybody knows, I think this is a good thing about this revival at Asbury. And I want to type back, no one cares. I, I could get up and give my opinion about the revival at Asbury and, and nobody down there is gonna be watching and say, wait a minute, there was this preacher in Herrick, Illinois who's, who doesn't feel good about this. We should probably all go home. 
Now, your opinion doesn't matter when it comes to the sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. And God, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you say on Facebook. He doesn't care what office you hold. His program will move on. And, and here's what we do. We, we, we just got to get in or get out. Get in line or enjoy the ride. Because what he said will happen. What he said will take place will take place. He will sovereignly rule and reign over this church, over this life, over my life, whether I agree with it or not. His program, his program will go on. Is anybody glad you serve that kind of God today? And I, I just want to assert this here. And, and I, I get worked up too. We all get worked up about politics these days. We, we, and, and that's important. I'm not saying it's not important. But we, we need to get back to, uh, you know what? God's in charge. I'm going to do what's right. But at the end of the day, God's in charge. And I'm not going to make idols out of these people. I'm not waiting on somebody on a white horse to ride into Washington, D.C. And, and fix it. Because if that's what we're looking for, what we're banking on, it's never going to happen. We know the answer. We know who rules and reigns. And we need to let his sovereignty and his rulership have its place in this church and our lives. And that's how we change a nation. It's when we live under the sovereignty of Jesus. And so if, if anyone has power on earth... It's because Jesus gave it to He's keeping the solar system. I want to tell you, if you're an atheist, you got w much more faith than I do. Do you know, if, if the earth moved just a fraction closer to the sun or the moon, things would spin out of control? Amen. Do you know that there's this scientific concept, and, and I'm not nerdy enough to explain it, but... Did you know that atoms shouldn't be able to move together the way they do and coexist the way they do because of the positive energy and negative energies and all that? I can't explain it. But, but there's this force that, that scientists, there's this mysterious force that they can't explain and they just call it the strong force that keeps everything together. And I, I don't know, but, but maybe, maybe that strong force is God. Maybe it's, it's Jesus. And, and, and we see... That who, who is this creator? Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form of void. And then verse 3, and God said. Remember, who is the word? Jesus was the word. Who created everything we see? Jesus created everything we see. It was created through him and for him. And so when I look at it that way, how big of a deal is cancer to him? How big of a deal is whatever you're fighting and whatever is in your mind, whatever's bothering you, I want to tell you, it's no problem for God if he can create everything that we see in this place today. It is no problem for Jesus. That's the God we serve. Point number three, Jesus is holding everything together. I got a little bit ahead of myself. He is before all things, verse 17 of Colossians. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's keeping everything in order. He's keeping the universe spinning. He's keeping everything running. You know, he's really a good multitasker, isn't he? So what are we worried about? What are we worried about today? 
Do you think that he can't work in whatever situation you're facing tomorrow? And, and here's what we gotta believe. He is sustaining and ordering my steps. And my days are in his hands. And when he stops sustaining me, it's because he has something greater for me. Come on, does anybody believe that today? He is sustaining us. He's keeping us. He is before all things. He wasn't created in time. Jesus is before all the, these things. He, he, said, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. Can you imagine if I said that today? You would rightly be very angry. But Jesus had a right to say that because he was the God who created everything we see. Number four, Jesus must be first in everything. Jesus must be first in everything. Colossians 1, 18 through 20, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In other words, through his resurrection, he has led the way into the resurrection for us. That in everything, everybody say everything. everything. He might be preeminent, which means first. He doesn't come in second in anything. He is preeminent in everything. And I love this, for in him, everybody say in him. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All of God was in Jesus. All of God, who God is, was in Jesus. Now, he voluntarily laid aside some of those things for his humanity's sake, but it was there if he needed it. All of God was in Jesus, and it was pleased to dwell that through him, he would reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his, cru- of his cross. Come on, this is the heart of the gospel today. What we're talking about is that the God of all creation came down personally and made peace through the blood of the cross. You know, the church is the most robust, diverse organization on the planet. I imagine if you got all of us together and we all had to spend a lot of time with each other, there would be a lot of things we disagreed about. We might disagree about food. We might disagree about politics. We might disagree about baseball teams. We might disagree about all kinds of things. You can go on down the line, but there's one thing that we all agree about and that Jesus is first. Jesus is number one. He is the head of the body. And here's what we have to know today, that churches have to be about Jesus. Families have to be about Jesus. You and I have to be about Jesus. He has to be first. He does not tolerate second place. He does not tolerate being kind of Lord. And here's what happens. And you can see this in church history. Churches start to go downhill when they stop being about Jesus. Some churches say they're about Jesus, but it's really about rules and tradition and keeping that rule, those rules and tradition going. 
And yeah, yeah, Jesus is good, but you need the, these rules and these traditions too. Some pe- churches are about money. Jesus is a good way to make money and build buildings and prove about you know, how impressive we are. Some people have made Jesus, and I think this is what's, what's going on in this hour, some people have made Jesus all about people. Jesus would never judge somebody. Jesus would never confront somebody's sin. Jesus is greater than people. Jesus is greater than culture. Here's, here's one I see a lot where, where churches have just become all about politics. And I see it on, on both sides. Like, like Jesus is great, but can we t- please talk about this party or this interest group or whatever. And when we start making things more important than Jesus, that's when Jesus says, you know, I think I'll just go on down the road and maybe I'll go to a little college campus where there's some young people hungry for me. Oh God, don't let that happen to this church. Lord, may we be a Jesus-centered church from now until forever. We're gonna be full of grace like Jesus. We're gonna be full of truth like Jesus. We're gonna be full of forgiveness like Jesus. We're gonna confront people when they need to be confronted like Jesus. We are going, most importantly, to make sure that he is first and that he is Lord of everything and his opinion matters the most. The question I have for us today, we can all amen to this, but is Jesus the head of your life? I was talking to somebody recently. They were giving me all these plans they had for their life. They were getting into this new relationship. And I said, I got one question for you. Who has veto power? And just instantly, nobody has veto power. So, okay. I think you need to think about that one. Jesus has veto power. Jesus has a right to say, no, not going there. Not doing that. See, see, here's what I see popular now. A lot of people want Jesus to be savior, but they don't want him to be Lord. And Jesus is that really nice guy, your, your good friend, when you get a little too inebriated and end up in the pokey overnight, who can come bail you out. He's that guy, he'll always bail me out. Not really interested in giving him veto power. Not really interested in him being first in my life as far as having a voice to tell me what not to do and where to go. But he's there when I need him. Come on, that's not the Jesus we serve. A lot of us want him to be Lord in the living room, but not Lord in the bedroom. Come on, somebody. A lot of us want him to be savior of our finances, but not Lord of our finances. God, bail me out when I buy that stupid thing. I get myself financially, but don't ask me to tithe. Don't ask me to give a little extra. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on toes now, aren't I? It's getting quiet. 
but I'm talking about lordship. Lordship, where he is the head, where he has final say, where he has veto power. And, and today we, we, we don't want Jesus to be savior of our relationships, but not Lord of our sexuality. Come on, we, we, we need to have him Lord of every part of our life. Every part of our life. And I know this is uncomfortable, but this is the type of preaching that will help you be a disciple of the man you call Lord. And he, he, he wants everything. He wants everything. And, and here's why. 99.9% won't do is because he didn't give 99.9% to us. He gave 100%. He went all in. And I, I know he's still working on me. Anybody out there, he's still working on. There's still some parts of my life. It's like, hey, that, that thing I talked about, I still want it. Amen. Jesus refuses to be limited to Savior of all if he is not Lord of all. And if he is not Lord of all, he will probably not be Lord at all. So we have to submit, say, you're the head. Lord, I don't understand it, but you're the head of my life. I submit to you every part of me. And until then, it's just words. Colossians 121, Paul finishes up this chapter. He says, you who are once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in the body of his flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Let's just think about that. He came and he fixed it so that he can reconcile and fix your mess so that he can present you holy and blameless before himself. If I, it says, if indeed, everybody say, if indeed, if indeed. You continue in the faith. That's conditional. Come on, we've, we've got to continue in the faith. Now's not the time to quit. Now's not the time to get discouraged. Now's not the time to let go of some things. Now is the time to stay focused on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to be stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which you heard. Oh, there's some new philosophy coming around that says we need to worship angels or pray to angels. Nope, I'm not, I'm not giving in. I'm, I'm gonna be steadfast and I'm gonna be stable. I'm not gonna give in to every wind of doctrine and every philosophy. Why? Because it is the hope of my life. It is the hope of the gospel. What is my hope? That Jesus is supreme. That Jesus is number one. And he says, this has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven at which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that he is Lord over everything. And that Lord came down, that God came down and shed blood on his cross so that we could stand before him holy and blameless. How many of us, it's only through the blood. There's nothing we could do. But when I understand that,
that should make me bow the knee. Every knee shall bow. The question is whether you're going to do it now or later. I wonder if we could stand to our feet right now over this place and if we could just lift up our hands. First of all, can we just for a second lose our casual attitude about who we're praying to and who we're talking about? We are talking about the Lord of heaven and earth who is here today walking among us, speaking to us. And right now is a good time to bow the knee. Lower yourself. Make him Lord over everything. Say, Jesus, you can have it all because I have no right anyway. You created me. You gave me life. You gave me breath. Lord, I don't know why you chose us. I don't know why you chose me. But Lord, we are so glad that we know this truth is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Lord, you are all we need today. So Lord, if there's somebody who came into this place discouraged, if somebody came into this place under the weight of sin, Lord, I pray they would bow the knee of their heart today. Say, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. I want to tell us today, there's, there's a great revival coming, but it's going to be greater than worship. You know when revival is going to happen? When Christians start being Christians. There's going to be a revival when we really make Him Lord of our life. So Lord, start here today. I'm going to open up these altars right now. If you need prayer, come and pray. I want